So in our text this morning, uh, Jesus and his disciples are on the way to Jerusalem, and he uses this opportunity um, to try to teach for the third time just what will happen uh, when he gets to Jerusalem in terms of his uh, suffering, his arrest, betrayal, crucifixion, and then the resurrection. And as we see for the third time, uh, the disciples still don't get what he's talking about. They are uh, jockeying for positions of, of glory, even while he uh, talks about being on the road to suffering. And then as Mark does uh, several times throughout his uh, gospel, he then adds a second story that shows how an outsider, uh, someone on the margins, in this case a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, is the one who actually sees and understands what's going on and is the one who uh, shows uh, firsthand what that faithful following looks like. So let us listen uh, for the word of God. The scripture today is from the book of Mark in the 10th chapter. They were on the road going to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed and those who followed were afraid. He took the 12 aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him saying, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the human one will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and fling him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those, those, excuse me, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the human one did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life to liberate many people. They came to Jericho, and as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, a son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of God! Son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, 
Get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has been made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The word of God for the people of God. Oh, gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I love the disciples. I love the disciples because even now, after all this time, they still don't get it. And it makes me feel like I'm in good company because there is so many times when I feel like even being on this journey of faith, I still don't get uh, what it's all about. And if you think about it, um, James and John, these guys, they were there from the very beginning. If you think back to the beginning of Mark or the beginning of any Gospels, James and John, they were among those fishermen first called. They were the ones when Jesus came along. They were with their dad in the boat, Zebedee. Uh, and Jesus calls them, and they just literally hop out of the boat, leave their dad, leave their nets, and begin to follow Jesus. And so for three years, they have been following Jesus. Three years, they have been seeing daily what he is able to do. They, they see him teach and listen to him teach with authority. They see him heal, heal lepers, heal blind people, raise people from the dead. They see him uh, challenging the, the powers that be. They see him uh, feeding the 5,000. They saw what he could do with two fish and five loaves. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him still a storm. They've been in the boat when the waves have been crashing and it calmed down, and yet still, Still, they don't understand uh, what Jesus is about. And we see it in this story this morning. As they are walking, they are on their final days uh, just before he's going to enter Jerusalem and be killed. And so he tries to tell them one last time, like, here's, here's what this is about. And so he says, we're going we're gonna to get there. I'm going to be handed over. I will be tortured, suffer, be crucified, and be raised again. And it just goes in one ear and out the other for James and John, right? Because they come up and then they're like, well, hey, Jesus, that's great. And we want you to do whatever we ask of you. And he's like, well, what do you want? And he's like, well, come on my left hand and my right. And I can just imagine Jesus being like, oh, my gosh. If you've ever been a teacher or a parent, you know, and you have this, like, beautiful teaching moment or illustration, and then your kid's like, hey, when's, when can I go to the bathroom? Or when's the next break, right? It's, it's just like they don't even, they don't even get it at all. And moreover, what they ask, this idea about sitting at the right hand and the left hand, um, shows they really don't get it, because it was a political euphemism that at the time, after there would be a war, there was always a great victory banquet, and the victor would be sort of front and center, and then on either side would be those that were like next in power. And so it shows that as they ask this question, they're still thinking of Jesus as this Messiah who's going to come and overthrow and be violent and take over and, and put Rome in its place. And so they want these seats of power. They want the status. And this is what they are arguing about. And Jesus basically says, no, you just, you don't get it at all. Can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Can you be baptized in the baptism that I'm about to have? Which is basically a way of saying, are you going to share in my suffering and death? 
And they basically, yeah, we can do that. You know, they don't even know what they're talking about. And he says, well, you'll, you'll see it, you're gonna participate in it, but you're not getting it at all. He says, you know, if you want to be great, then you must become a servant. If you want to be first, then you need to be a slave of all. For the human one did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. Some translations say is a ransom for many people. This is one of those verses that if you're in the evangelical church, you memorize this verse. This is the gospel in miniature. This, the human one, the son of man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. This is about as countercultural now as it was at the time. I mean, if you think about it in our culture, in our, just, our individualism that is just so rampant, and the idea that status and wealth, they're signs of power, and we're taught from early ages, you want to climb the ranks and get as high as you can above everybody else. And yet what Jesus says is this is, this is not the way. This is not, right? I have, I have come to show you another way to serve. And uh, he basically, it's as if he, he says, I mean, it's just, it's in some ways kind of ludicrous to think about giving all of that up in an effort to serve and to help others. And yet what Jesus is trying to say, I think, is that this revolution that they're coming for, the overthrow that they want, it's coming, but it's not through seizing power, it's not through seizing force, it's going to be through service and through the transformation of relationships. Uh, I was reminded this week of a children's game that probably many of you played. I played it as a, as a kid called King of the Hill, or maybe some uh, know it as King of the Mountain, right? Where the kids, children run up a hill, uh, and the whole idea is that you try to get to the top, and it, while you're doing it, you pull other people back or push them down so that you can be the first at the top. And then once you get to the top, the whole point is to keep other people from challenging you, and you keep pushing them down, and then the winner is the person who basically stays at the top, that somebody else can't, can't get up there. And um, that's really, that's the way that our world works, right? It's that, uh, the, as Jesus says, the, the Lord, the tyrant that's up on top and lords it over you. And it's, it's actually how we, how we see it working in our world. We've just seen it in the presidential primaries, haven't we? People clamoring to the top. Who can we push down so that somebody gets to the top? It's what we see in, in business. It's what we see in sports. And yet what Jesus says is there's another way. And so you can imagine uh, the same children running up the hill, except instead of reaching out to push them down, they reach out and pull another child up, right? Pull someone so that they can get up there as well. That's what Jesus is talking about. And that's kind of what he uh, is modeled, I guess, in the story with Bartimaeus, that here is this blind person uh, trying to come up the hill, so to speak, and calls out to Jesus, you know, have mercy on me. And the crowd, the other people, probably some of the disciples, are like, shh, be quiet, let me push you back. And Jesus says, no, call him to me, let him come. And so when he comes and Jesus asks the same question of the disciples, what do you want? And Bartimaeus doesn't ask for status. He doesn't ask for glory. What he asks is for mercy. He asks to be able to see again and to see that will allow him to come back into community, that will allow him um, to serve and to be part of that community. 
And so Jesus hears that and heals him, and Bartimaeus becomes a follower. It's a great example of that giving up of status in order to serve, which is just so, as I said, countercultural uh, to what we know in our world, to what we experience in our world. And yet that is the life to which Jesus calls us, that we would be people who reach out and help lift up other people, lift up the least and the lost, bring everybody up the hill so everybody can be on the mountain together. I've been reading this fabulous commentary on Mark that I've referenced a couple times before. This guy, Ched Myers, who wrote, a, it's a book called um, Binding the Strong Man. It's a political commentary of Mark. And basically what he argues is that throughout the whole gospel and Jesus' whole ministry, he is challenging the powers that be. And one of the ways that he does this is by the only way, basically, that you can um, subvert the dominant order, he says, is by offering a contradictory practice or offering an alternative way of living. And so basically what he says is the whole, what Jesus is trying to do, this whole idea of the kingdom of God is an alternative way of living in the world. And so if you think about it, everywhere that Rome would say violence, Jesus says nonviolence. Everywhere that Rome or the church would say exclusion, Jesus says inclusion. Everywhere it says power, Jesus says service. Everywhere it says fear, Jesus says love. And not only does he say it, but he embodies it. And he invites his followers uh, to embody it as well and to go against that culture, to be part of that contradictory practice. Well, as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, this is actually a great text for a new member Sunday. Because honestly, being part of a church in many ways is a contradictory practice in our culture today. It's, a, it's an alternative way of living as we come together and commit to be a community together. And we actually just committed and recommitted our lives to service um, toward one another. And I think this is actually really unusual, particularly in the Northwest where we live. Uh, many people aren't part of communities like this. And even just the idea of commitment in general. Um, we, I think we're in a much more commitment-phobic culture right now. We don't really like to commit, uh, unless it's like a Verizon plan where they have to lock us in for, you know, two years. Uh, but it's this idea we still use this language of covenant. We use this language of making a promise to each other, that we are, we are in it for each other. We are in this to help each other. And you read in the first question, as, as Diane read them out, you know, do you, do you promise to to support the life of this church, to follow Jesus, to worship regularly, to nurture your faith, the faith of this community, and to support the local church as we serve the community. That basically we are committing to serve. We are committing to be here for each other, to support one another, to show up when each other is sick, to uh, go out together and try to make a difference in the world which means giving up some of our status as individuals. It means we, we submit some of our time, our talent, our treasure, right, for the common good. It means that we, we, um, we just are in this together. And we don't get the easy out. We have, to, we have to stay in with each other. I think the other thing that is really important as we talk about this and the concept of, of New Member Sunday is also that second question that we asked that said, um, do you basically agree to let yourself be changed 
shaped and transformed by God and by this community. And uh, knowing that we are still growing into our identity as God's beloved children. And what I love about that is that, first of all, it acknowledges that we are all still on the journey. We are all on the way. None of us has it figured out. We're all figuring it out. There's some of us who have been walking a really long time with this, others of us that are newer to it, but we learn from each other. And that's part of the joy as we serve each other. I like to think in our story that um, the disciples learned something about God from Bartimaeus that day. They learned something about humility about healing. I like to think that Bartimaeus learned something from those longtime disciples as they shared stories about what it had been like, as they talked about uh, some of the experiences that they've had, that there was a sense in which they shaped and transformed each other. And that's kind of what we do. I mean, if you think about it, we are a community of strangers, right, that have been brought together. Um, we might pick the people in our pews, but we might not, right? And this is a chance that God gives us to come alongside of each other and to help us grow from one another. Even when we bump up against each other, gives us a chance to recognize our own spiritual blind spots, to help, help point each other to God, help us find our way. And it isn't always easy, but yet it's what God calls us to do. And so that we can be here for each other as we welcome each other into membership as we welcome back people who are away and will be away a while longer but are still connected as we prepare to say goodbye to one of our members who is moving away today. There's a way in which we, we help each other become the people that God has called us to be. Um, it reminds me, I, as many of you know, I've been participating in this um, uh, contemplative uh, practices uh, clergy renewal program at a monastery in um, Wisconsin, and we were just there at the end of January, and we had a chance to ask the sisters, there's six of them, about what, just anything we wanted. We asked all kinds of questions, but one of them was uh, to the sister Joanne, who's the eldest sister there. She's in her late 80s, early 90s, and she's been in the um, order since she was in her teens, so 60 plus years of being a sister. And we were just like, how on earth do you do that, right? 60 years in the same place with the same people. Like, what is that like? And without skipping a beat, she basically said, honestly, it's like being in a rock tumbler that you are put in and you're just stirred around. And for 60 years, you just bump into each other over and over and over again. And she said, but over time, what happens, right? Your, your rough edges get smoothed out. She said, you, you get more polished, you get more beautiful, and you become more the person God has called you to be, and so does everyone else around you. And I just thought, well, that's amazing. That is what community does, right? It, it's giving up that, that status to get into the rock tumbler with each other and to roll around and to bump into each other and to serve each other, but to come out on the other side more beautiful, more smooth, more connected uh, to God and to each other. And so as we continue our Lenten journey, may God just open our eyes to see God's presence in each other and in the world around us. May God open our ears to really hear God's call in our lives and through the people around us. May God open up our hearts to feel God's presence in our own selves and in those around us. And may God open our hands to serve so that we can reach out to others and so that we may become more fully 
the people that God has called us to be. Amen.